What'd you think of that? That, what, that didn't come from me. It came from Daniel last night. But pour it on it. And come Holy Spirit, come. I'm glad you're here today. And, you know, we're missing a few. And remember those in prayer. Remember all of our loved ones. We started out a brand new year. 2023. Who would have thought it? We thought I wouldn't make it this far. So praise God. We are in a new year. I want to give you a list of a few uh, funny New Year's resolutions that people come up with to ring in the new year of this year. These are a variety of people. There's no names, just the New Year's resolutions. One person said that to order every drink on the Starbucks menu this year. Someone said put a bingo in a friend's yard for their birthday or for their anniversary. One person but stop drinking your coffee after you brush your teeth in the morning. Someone said celebrate all the countdown to Christmas in July. I think well, that's that. Most women want to do that. That happens in our home. So uh, Hallmark is in July. Someone put keep gum or mint in your purse to be the friend that always has them to offer after meals. And then this one here was a kicker for me. I love this one. Turn the thriller dance by Halloween. <laughs> and that made me think your mother sent a, uh, put some on Facebook of a cat coming into her room all balled up going, dancing to the thriller music so i thought that was pretty cool so you know people year after year they set these new year's resolutions uh having high hopes of of redeeming something new in their life you know they set goals for themselves in order to be a better person to have a better outcome in their life as possible as they can you know we as christians we do the same thing how many of you have ever set a new year's resolution we all have come on don't you don't have to be bashful We've all set some kind of goal in a new year or a new year's resolution, you know, whether it be the number one would be to lose weight. People will say, ah, this is the year I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to become more physically fit, but I'm going to exercise more. I'm going to save more money and I'm going to, or I'm going to give more money this year. You know, what ends up, what ends up happening to most of those resolutions? They fade away. 
usually most people within a, the, the end of January, the New Year's resolution is come and it's gone. It doesn't stick, okay? But there is one thing that we should all, we sh every Christian should put at the front of that list. If we're going to have a list to begin a new year, there is one thing that should be primary, should be completely above and beyond the rest of those resolutions. One that we should never, ever, ever give up on. How can I be more God-focused? How can I be a better Christian? You ever ask yourself that? God, I want to be more God-focused this year or whenever it might be through the year. I want to be more Christ-minded in my life. The Bible has a whole lot to say about that very question and what we can do to be more God-centered, God-focused, specifically in a New Testament book of Galatians. If you want to follow along the Bible, turn to the book of Galatians this morning. If you don't want to, that's okay. Daniel will have it on the screen. Maybe you didn't bring your Bible. Shame. I'm just kidding. So it's okay. It's all right. The New Testament book of Galatians and Galatians chapter 5 is what we're going to look at. As Daniel already mentioned this morning, we are starting a brand new sermon series to start out this year, 2023. And this concept came to my mind probably about October. October was here. It came. It went. We went through Thanksgiving. We went through Christmas. We are finally here. This is probably going to be the longest sermon series I have ever done. Okay? So bear with me for the next uh, 10 weeks. All right? This is going to be a good sermon series. Okay? I've titled it, Walking in the Spirit, A New Year's Resolution with Resolve. Okay? We're going to spend the next 10 Sundays after today, including today, looking at what, what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. You ever heard of the fruit of the Spirit? We're going to dive into that the next 10 Sundays. How walking in the Spirit will and is a New Year's resolution with resolve. Now today, what we're going to do, instead of diving into the very first of the fruit of the Spirit listed in those two specific verses, Galatians 5, today will be an overview, all right? Then the next 10 uh, Sundays, 9 Sundays, we will discuss each individual fruit of the Spirit. Now, a quick overview will actually help to before we get into these verses today of the book of Galatians, the setting, all right? Now, Paul was writing to the Christian church in the city of Galatia, all right? It was located in ancient Asia Minor. Probably, more than likely, most scholars believe this was the oldest epistle written by, written by the Apostle Paul. More than likely, either from 49 to 55 A.D., some two and a half decades after Christ's ascension. So this was barely new in the Christian church, okay? There were a couple of problems as Paul, before Paul wrote this letter. This is the reason why he was writing this letter. There were some problems in the church of Galatia. One was that people wanted to know, how can a sinful man, we are sinful by nature, okay? How can a, a sinful man by nature come to God who is so holy in nature? That was one of the questions they had. And another one, a bigger problem, was there were certain Jewish converts to Christianity, Jewish Christians, they were, some of them were known as the Judaizers. They were known as the Judaizers. And they were te teaching that salvation in Christ is important, but it's not enough to get to heaven. You have to add this and do this and this. Add, in other words, add works on top of your newfound faith in Christ, specifically 
keeping the law, the Mosaic law, the law that was handed down to Moses on Mount Sinai, keeping all of the Mosaic law. Now, the theme of the book of Galatians is three words, justification by faith, being found not guilty by faith. That is the whole theme of the book of Galatians. Paul defended his authority in the first couple of chapters. Hey, I have all the authority God given to me through Jesus Christ to preach good news, the Savior of the world. It was in question by the Judaizers. Now, and Paul explains the justification by faith. And in chapter 5, he explains how justified, being justified by faith is applied, okay, in relation to our Christian freedom, our Christian liberty. Paul was saying we shouldn't be entangled of the things that we came out of, the bondage that we came out of. We have a freedom in Christ now. Then he spoke on love and how it fulfills the law. How are we to, and how are we to use that liberty in Christ, not for, not for self-fulfilling, not for fulfilling fleshly wants, but we are to use it through love for one another, for other people. Now, starting in verse 16, Paul talks about walking in the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 17. Paul wrote, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please, okay? Let me tell you something. It's a constant battle. There's a reason why there's a constant battle in the Christian faith. The Holy Spirit, that indwelling Holy Spirit you have within you is within us, but however, we are encompassed by what? Flesh. Sinful by, sinful by nature, flesh. Paul was saying there is a constant struggle, a battle between the Spirit and the flesh right now. And what can happen, this can result in not doing the things that, that you wish, what Paul was saying, okay? The flesh can keep you from doing what the Spirit would want you to do. And that, of course, that works both ways. The flesh keeps you from wanting to do the things that the Spirit wants you to do. The Spirit is pushing you forward to what the flesh doesn't want you to do, Be, being closer and closer in a right standing with Christ, okay? It is a constant battle, and it will be until we are called home by Jesus. Paul was very transparent on his own struggle. The Apostle Paul, the greatest evangelist in human history, had the same problem. Can you imagine that? He did. Remember in Romans 7, I won't take time to read it this morning, but on your not, write it down and notate it. Read Romans chapter 7, verses 13 through 25 on your own time. It tells you the struggle the Apostle Paul had with doing the things he didn't want to do and the things that he wanted to do, he didn't do, he couldn't do. There was a struggle between the flesh and the spirit. Now, starting in verse 19, Paul begins to list the works, not of the spirit, not the fruit of the spirit. That comes afterward. First, he's going to give you the works of the flesh, starting in verse 19. They're called the deeds of the flesh. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality. That's all sexual immorality, you name it, everything, all one word. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, 
envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I, he says, forewarn you. Just as I have forewarned you, listen to this, that those who practice, practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let me tell you what, pretty cut and dry, isn't it? Notice I told you that word practice, okay? We'll dive into that just in a moment, all right? This is, though, how the world operates. The world system, the world controlled by Satan would have you to believe all of these things, the works of the flesh, they're okay. They're, don't worry about it. It's all right, all right? But let me tell you something. This is exactly how you can get that one-way ticket straight to hell. Paul put it very clear. Those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Satan takes all of these, and what does he do? He puts his own sprinkle of appeal on it, making it appealing, making it appetizing to take and have and want more and more and more. But that's how Satan deceives people. These things that Paul was saying are wrong, Satan is convincing the world and has convinced the majority of the world, it's just part of your life, it's okay, go ahead, there's no repercussions for it. Okay, now, here's a hardened truth. Pay attention to me. I want you to pay attention to this. Every one of us as Christians, everyone out there listening, if you're a Christian, at some point, we have all fell victim to some of these deeds of the flesh. Have we not? Every one of us. Not all of them. Some of them, specifically before you came to faith in Christ, but the saddened truth is sometimes, even after you've committed your life to Christ, we've made a mistake. We have fallen victim to some of these works, these deeds of the flesh. But let me give you the good news, though. You know what it is? Not a single one of these deeds of the flesh are unforgivable. Every single one of these are forgivable by Jesus Christ. Amen? They are all forgivable, okay? Paul then lists the attributes and the characteristics every Christian should practice and want to practice. That is the fruit of the Spirit. Here we go. This is what we're going to spend the next nine Sundays on. Two verses, okay? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, he says, there is no law. This is a great way to reevaluate your specific, in your own Christian life, okay? Your Christian character, to see how you rate in all of those areas. That's why we're going to take the next nine Sundays in each fruit of the Spirit. We're going to discuss them. We'll see how you rated them. What better way to start out a brand new year? And you want to know what you want that New Year's resolution that will stick, that has resolve? Practicing every one of the fruit of the Spirit is the perfect way to have the best New Year's resolution you will ever have in your in your walk with Christ to draw you closer by practicing the fruit of the Spirit. A great way to start off this year. Now what I want to do though in, in an overview is go over these nine fruit of the Spirit and, and we're not going to dive too much into each one of them. I could, but we'll be here until dark. I'm going to do that to you. That's why we're taking the next nine Sundays to go over these, okay? What I'll do is get list. we'll list the fruit of the Spirit. I'll give a quick description of it, more than like a Greek word, and I'm going to test you on them to you know the Greek words after church today. No, just kidding, okay? Not, we're not here to learn Greek, okay? That's what we're going to do, all right? 
And then what I'll do is give a Bible verse that correlates with each one of these fruit of the Spirit. Follow me? That's what we're going to do today, okay? All right. These are the fruit of the Spirit Paul lists in Galatians 5. Number one, no coincidence, the very first one is love. All right? There are three Greek words in the New Testament that describe love. Follow along with me, okay? The first one is eros, E-R-O-S. Eros is where we get the word erotic. This is a intimate, this is a sexual love between a man and a woman, okay? Then you have phileos. Sound familiar? Where do we get the city of brotherly love? Philadelphia, phileo, the city of brotherly love. That's what it is. It is a brotherly love. And then the third one is agape. This is the one that Paul is talking about. All important, but this is the primary one. Agape, it is that perfect love that only God can give you. No one else can give you agape love. Love for God and others is a result of that agape love, and God gives us, just as Jesus encouraged his followers. Here's the verse, John 15, verses 9 through 11. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. That agape love, abide in me. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be made in you and that your joy may be made full. The second fruit of the Spirit is joy. The Greek word is uh, kara, all right? It is translated or delight. It is seen often gladness, okay? It's the realization of God's favor and grace in each one of our, our lives. The biblical joy is happiness that is not dependent on any of your circumstances, okay? It isn't is based on your circumstances. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 3, he says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Number three, we're going quickly, peace, all right? In the Greek word, it, it is Irene, okay? I almost thought like Irene, like a name, but it's not Irene. It is the idea of life, without conflict, okay? As well as wholeness and harmony, not only with God, but with other people, okay? When we allow the Holy Spirit, what that last song was in introducing this message today, when we allow that Holy Spirit to work in, in our hearts and minds, it results in true peace, okay? Think of this. Peace gives us a lack of fear and worry about your finances, your safety, your salvation, and your eternal life. That's what peace, true peace, will really do. This doesn't mean you're not going to have concerns, but you're really not going to worry about those things because you have that true peace through Jesus Christ. All right, Romans 8, 6, Paul wrote, For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Okay, number four, the fruit, fruit of the spirit is patience. All right, or the, uh, some translations will say forbearance. All right, the Greek word is is makrothumia. It is isn't a, that translation for forbearance from the Greek word isn't a commonly used word. Okay, rather it refers to words as patience, endurance, or steadfastness, long suffering, and listen to this slowness in avenging a wrong. Okay, that's patience. The Holy Spirit empowers us, doesn't it, believers? 
to withstand challenging situations with patience and endurance. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. 1 and 2 says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. How many of you lack patience? <laughs> Every single one of us. That's why we're going to go through this. We're going to, this is so important. Patience is one we all struggle with. We all struggle with every one of these. You'll find that out. But knowing that and striving in a brand new year, that's why I want to go over the fruit of the Spirit because I think as a whole, the church, we don't grasp the whole, we don't take it all in and absorb it and try to apply it because the things of the world weigh us down, don't they? They weigh us down. But patience is a big one, okay? What about this one? Number five, kindness. Boy, it got quiet, didn't it? Kindness. The Greek word is krestotes, okay? Meaning a moral goodness, integrity, or a usefulness. In the King James Version, it's translated gentleness, all right? And it refers to a gentleman or a gentlewoman who be behaves properly with, in, um, with, with integrity and kindness. You know, Paul in Romans reminded us that it is God's mercy and grace that should lead us to repentance, not to judgment that's a virtue of kindness romans chapter 2 verse 4 or do you not think lightly of the riches of his kingdom or excuse me kingdom kindness and tolerance and patience not knowing that the kindness of god leads you to repentance the holy spirit empowers us to have that moral integrity not to get trapped in self-righteous judgment in other words pointing the finger at other people okay number six goodness the Greek word is ago. Now I, I had trouble with this one. Forget it, I'm not going to tell you. Anyway, it means uprightness of heart and life. Okay, it's, see, it's seen in our actions and our attitudes and our affections. The word relates not only being good, but doing good things as well. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11. To this end also we pray for you always that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power. Number seven, this is a biggie, faithfulness. Faithfulness, the Greek word is uh, uh, pistis, okay? Faithfulness is evidence of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. That's what it is. It's a character trait that combines dependability and as well it is a character trait of trust. It's based on our confidence to God and his eternal faithfulness, all right? In the New Testament, faith is in the belief in God and the conviction that Jesus Christ is the Messiah through whom we attain eternal life. Everything revolves around faith. faith. It took faith to get you where you're at today, didn't it? Taking that step of faith out of God's faithfulness, taking that step of faith, just like you did here a while back, brother, you took that step of faith. Christ said who he said was, and that he had the power to forgive you of his sins for what he did on Calvary. That's faithfulness, all right? Hebrews 1.11 gives you, everyone know what a definition of faithfulness, of faith? Hebrews 1.11, the writer says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. All right? Well, I'm looking forward to getting to the faithful part in several weeks. 
Number eight, gentleness. The Greek word is um, proutis, proutis. In the King James, it is translated meekness. It's translated meekness. However, meekness rhymes with weakness, doesn't it? Meekness, weakness. So they decided to go with a more modern translations with a, a, a more modern term, gentleness, to mean mildness of disposition. Now, the Baker's Evangelical Bible Dictionary explains meekness this way. Listen to this. Meekness does not identify the weak, but more precisely the strong who have been placed in a position of weakness where they um, persevere without giving up. The use of the Greek word when applied to animals makes this clear, for it means tame when applied to wild animals. In other words, such animals have not lost their strength but have learned to control the destructive instincts that prevent them from living in harmony with others. That's what that's what basically what meekness, meekness and gentleness is about. Now you know Jesus described himself as gentle. You know that he said, "I'm a gentle being." Look what he said in Matthew eleven twenty nine: "Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest." He says for your souls. Don't let that take away the fact Jesus was gentle. Jesus was a tough dude as well, okay? So tough, so tough he took the sins of the world for each and every one of us and died a horrific death on that Friday morning. Number nine, self-control. Here's a big one people have a big problem with, self-control. The Greek, Greek word here is egrateia. Okay, it's the ability to control one body, one's body and its sensual appetites and desires, both physically and mentally, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Though it relates to both chastity and sobriety. Primarily, when I looked at this, the notes said primarily in eating and drinking. Who don't have that problem? But I need to. I need to cut back. I need to have self-control at the dinner table. Anybody need to have that problem? Daniel's smiling back there. We all do, okay? It has more to do than just with your appetite. There is a lot more. That's not, there is dangers in overeating. You know, obesity can lead to all kinds of different health problems, but this goes much farther, okay? Listen to this. Self-control is the opposite of the works of the flesh that indulge sensual desires, okay? That's what about all about self-control. Page turn here. Here's the verse, Galatians chapter 5. We just did this earlier, verses 16 and 17. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that please. That is self-control. Those are the nine fruit of the Spirit that we are going to go over these next nine Sundays. Now, the question is, why in the world are we studying the fruit of the Spirit is important how is it important to us today i come up with two reasons that the fruit of the spirit is significant number one it reveals our relationship with god okay it reveals our relationship with god it's the reason why hello walking in the spirit by the spirit it simply means that the holy spirit lives in us we're constantly putting our life in the presence of god's spirit we are abiding in jesus just like the vine abides 
with a tree, okay? Remember how Jesus explained that? He explained the relationship between a vine and a branch and our relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit. This is what he said in John 15, 5. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We had a sermon about that last year. As a matter of fact, that was my dad's favorite Bible verse. Okay? I am the vine, you are the branches. He said, the fruit of the Spirit is a result. The whole thing, the whole kit and caboodle, the whole nine fruit of the Spirit is a result of, of possessing God's Holy Spirit. The moment you accepted Christ as Savior, you were given and dwelt with that living Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit in you at that moment, walking in the Spirit. And let me tell you something, this should be noticed. Your walking in the Spirit should be noticed not only at home, more importantly, at your workplace, out in public. Let me tell you something, you don't think people aren't watching? The world is watching. Watching Christians, many times they don't like what they see. I believe that's one of the reasons why a lot of people, lost people, have come into the church house. You know why? Story after story, tragic stories, and when a Christian messes up, especially the head of a church, a pastor, is caught in some kind of scandal, the community, the, on the internet, on television, it's broadcast all over. Well, then people aren't no different than us. Why would I even go mess with it? See what I mean? That's what happens. The, the truth gets revealed and it's splattered all over the place. And then the name of Jesus Christ has been tarnished in that facility. The name of Christ to whole has been, had a blemish put upon it. Okay? People are watching. And number two, this another significance or an importance of the fruit of the Spirit is it conceals the law in our work for God. I want you to notice that last part of verse 23. He listed all nine fruit of the Spirit, and then he said this, against such things there is no law. What was Paul saying? Huh? There is no law. What, is he, what was he talking about? When we're exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit, he's saying there's no need for the law. Now, don't get confused. This isn't the governing law of the land, okay? We as Christians, the Bible teaches, we are to follow man's given laws until one point when it crosses over our convictions and the true teaching of what God has said. Then we are to not obey government, not obey the law. But the traffic laws, traffic laws, all of that stuff, uh, taxes, we are to obey those laws. This is not what Paul was talking about. He was talking about the Mosaic law, the law given to Moses thousands of years earlier. It's that Mosaic law that was nailed to the cross when Jesus was crucified. I can't explain that, but in some inexplicable way, all of the law from the Old Testament and the Mosaic law was nailed to the tree with Jesus Christ when he died that horrific death. Jesus, what did he do? He replaced the law. Okay, we live under the new agreement, a new testament, the new testament, the old testament. You know why it's called the old testament? It's old. Okay, it's all full of history. We are doesn't mean we're not to to we're to ignore it. We're not to ignore the old testament, but it is old for a reason. It's old. It is the old agreement. We don't live under the old agreement. We live under the new. Agreement. We are a new testament church not an old testament church okay 
it has all been done away with. Okay, the writer of Hebrews says the Mosaic law in the Old Testament was just a shadow of things that were to come. All right. Now notice the directive in verse 25 and the and a stark warning in verse 26. Paul says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Now here it is. Be careful with this, though. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Paul was saying, let the Holy Spirit guide you and direct every single one of your steps, he's saying. But he says, when you're doing that, when you're practicing and you're fulfilling these fruit of the Spirit because you have that indwelling Holy Spirit, be careful, though. Don't get, don't get boastful. Don't get proud. Look what I'm doing. I'm doing everything right for God's kingdom. If you do that, guess what? You're going to stir up dissent. You're going to stir up strife. And that's what he's talking about, stirring up trouble. Don't get a big head, in other words. Don't get a big head. You know why? Every one of us has been commanded to do the work of Christ and to practice this fruit of the Spirit. So how am I any different than you or anybody else? I'm not, okay? It will provoke others. Now, in closing, the late Bible scholar and theologian, Dr. Charles Ryrie, he commented on the fruit of the Spirit. By the way, Charles Ryrie is the, um, the compiler and, comp and author of the New American Standard that I have here, a Charles Ryrie study Bible. Great teacher of faith back in his day. This is what he said. Every quote, every Christian will bear spiritual fruit somewhere, sometime, somehow. Otherwise, that person is not a believer. Every born-again individual will be fruitful. Not to be fruitful is to be faithless without faith and therefore without salvation. Anybody want to doubt that? What he said is absolutely true. Every single one of us with that indwelling Holy Spirit will have the power, the capacity, the desire to feel the, all of those fruit practice every one of those fruit of the spirits do you have new year's resolutions we i don't make them no more my biggest goal i don't because they're worthless there's one though that's worth everything how can i be a better follower of christ how can i grow closer with you god all right if you do have a, those new year's resolutions make this one one practicing the fruit of the Spirit. Make that commitment to strive to be more like Christ and practicing the fruit of the Spirit. That's a New Year's resolution that will not fade. If you mean business with God, He'll mean business with you. A truly a New Year's resolution with resolve. Let's bow together in a word of prayer. Today we've discussed the fruit of the Spirit. We're starting this new sermon series. Us Christians, we know about the fruit of the Spirit and through the Holy Spirit that we gotten at salvation. The moment we trusted in Christ as Savior, that Holy Spirit encourages, pushes us against the flesh to be more godly. And how do we do that? By walking in the Spirit. That's what I pray that if you're not, if you're a Christian and you are struggling with that, no better time than a brand new year, 2023. Make that commitment. God, I repent. I'm sorry. I've not been as close to you as I need to be. And I want to make that commitment right now to you that I'm going to follow you closer than a brother. I know you already do with me, but I'm going to try to my very best to be as Christ-like as possible 
and walk in the Spirit. I pray every Christian would pray that prayer, make that true New Year's resolution that has resolved. Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you don't know Christ as Savior. But God's Holy Spirit, as we've talked about today, is, is knocking at your doorstep on your heart, on your mind, telling you, encouraging you, take that step of faith to trust in Christ as Savior right now. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. In other words, don't hold it off. We're not guaranteed this afternoon. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. If God's Holy Spirit is working on you, letting you know, hey, you know what? You're a sinner. But the good news is Jesus came to die for you and die for the sins of the entire world. And that plan of salvation, that adoption into God's family can be yours if you'll say this simple prayer of faith with me. If you mean business with God and you are being convicted by the Holy Spirit, and you are sorrowful and you truly mean what you what you want to do right now you can say this simple prayer of faith with me right now out loud knowing god is listening and waiting with open arms to accept you as one of his children say this prayer of faith with me dear god i thank you so much for loving me i understand i know that i'm a sinner and god i am truly sorry for all of those sins in my life but I believe what I heard today, that you love me so much. You sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins, taking the punishment I deserve for my sin on that old rugged cross. But I am trusting in what Christ and Christ alone did to save me from my sins. God, thank you for loving me and thank you so much for forgiving me. And I'm praying right now, you will help me spend the rest of my life serving you. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. And if you prayed that prayer and you really meant it with all of your heart, guess what? You're now a child of God. At that very moment, the Holy Spirit is indwelt in you automatically, helping you, guiding you, directing you in your newfound walk. And guess what? We want to hear from you today here at Pleasant View Baptist Church. If you took that step of faith and made that commitment and ask Christ for forgiveness. We want to hear from you. Take that next step and contact us. And what you'll do at the bottom of the screen will be a website. You'll type in this website. It is pvmb.me forward slash contact. Type in that address. It, what it will do, it will take you to our contact page where you'll put in your information there. And, and more importantly, you'll say, Brother Stephen, I prayed the prayer of faith. I'm now a child of God. And what we want to do Number one, we want to congratulate you. We want to pray for you. But not only that, we want to send you some free material. We have about four different pamphlets, information, literature to send to you. Also, a Gideon's Bible we want to send to you as just getting you started on your newfound walk. Well, Brother Stephen, after I do all that, then what? That's a great question. I'll tell you what, the Holy Spirit now in you is going to implore you to tell others about what just happened to you. It's called a testimony. Tell your family, tell your friends, tell your co-workers. Anyone and everyone who will listen, hey, guess what just happened to me today or whenever it was? Christ forgave me of my sins. I now have a ticket to heaven one day away from this world, the sin-filled world. I have hope of eternal life one day. And this, given that testimony, you're not only sharing the good news, but you're also being obedient and telling others about what Christ did for you. 
And what you also are doing is you're planting a seed, a spiritual seed, and you're watering it down. And then the Holy Spirit can come in after you and take care of the rest. It's not your job to save anybody. You can't save nobody. I can't save nobody. Billy Graham couldn't save nobody. None other, no one other than Jesus Christ could save anybody through the power of the Holy Spirit. But give that testimony. Tell others about what Christ just did for you, the life you came from and the life that you now have and the eternal life that awaits you. But don't stop there. Your newfound Christian walk cannot be, uh, cannot grow. It cannot be, uh, uh, begin to complete until you get into a Bible-believing church that teaches the whole counsel of God's Word. I say it Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and I will, I will continue to say it until God mutes me one day. I'm going to tell you this. You cannot make it in your Christian walk without the local church. It's not man's idea. Acts chapter 2 after Pentecost, the church came into existence. The Bible says we're not to forsake gathering with like-minded believers. People try it. I'll make television at home on Sunday, my church. Listen to a good sermon. That's nice and dandy, and there are great teachers out there. But let me tell you something. Majority of them will tell you, don't make this your church. Get into a physical building like this one, a physical church with like-minded believers so you can grow and be edified, encourage others, and grow in your new in your newfound walk. You can't make it. Get into a Bible-believing church and make sure they teach the whole counsel of God's Word. They teach about sin, Bible prophecy, where we're at today. They don't teach pro political correctness. They don't try to just cherry-pick Scripture to grab uh, and twist it around a little bit to get people to come for more money, for popularity, for notoriety. We don't do that here. We're a little church, and we're being, as long as we're being obedient to God, to me, that's just enough. God will take care of the rest. He promised it. He'll take care of his children. I've said it time and time again. The previous pastor here said, it, if you mean business with God, he'll mean business with you. Get into that Bible-believing church, just like this one, Pleasant View Missionary Baptist. Our information is on our Facebook page or on our website, pbbaptistchurch.org, where we have uh, many great sermons on there. Daniel has redone some uh, maneuvering around. It is a five-star rated church website for a small church, country church, just like this one here that big churches can't even hold a, a candle to. I'm telling you, it is superb. Check us out. If you can't get into this church, please get into another Bible-believing church that teaches the whole counsel of God's Word. Father in heaven, I pray to you today that no one who has heard this invitation of salvation and that the Holy Spirit is dealing with them or they heard another great teacher of faith out there give out that call of invitation to salvation, I pray they would answer that call of the Holy Spirit and say yes to you, God, and no to sin and no to Satan. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.